Welcome to episode 27 of the Worship Drummer Podcast. This is John Manna, your host. You are a part of a global group of Christian drummers who are continually striving to put the heart before beat. Why? Because we believe that worship is about the work of your hands and heart. Follow along online at worshipdrummer.com or you can always hit me up on Instagram at worshipdrummer. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. What's up, Worship Drummer fam? Hope everyone's doing well. I'm stoked to present this conversation to you that I had with Brian Beal. He's the drummer from Big Daddy Weave, and we've um, been talking about doing an episode for <laughs> about two years now. Finally, I kept my word, and we actually did it. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. Just wanted to uh, keep you up to speed on a couple of things. Check out worshipdrummer.pro and there you'll find what I'm doing in the Worship Drummer Green Room where once a month we hang out with a guest worship drummer and you get to ask your questions directly to them. And uh, we've had a great couple of months uh, since we launched in January. We had Vincent Baynard and Luke Anderson from Elevation Worship. And then in February, we had Andy Harrison from Planet Shakers, along with Josh Hamm, their bass player. And then in the month of March, we had David Whitworth. Stay tuned for the month of April, because on the 9th, we are looking to host Dan McMurray. So we're going to have a great time. It's $7 a month. It's a recurring subscription fee. Uh, just so that I'm clear and you know, no one's caught off guard. It's very clear in the description on the page. Uh, but Worship Drummer Green Room is where it happens. And so I encourage you to check it out on worshipdrummer.pro. That is our platform for equipping you. And as well on worshipdrummer.pro, you can buy our online course, Mastering Modern Worship Drumming, which teaches you all about using the Roland SPDSX in worship, as well as with Ableton and how that all works together. So uh, take a look if you're interested. And I don't want to delay this conversation any longer. So we're going to head straight now into the conversation I had with Big Daddy Weaves drummer, Brian Beal. I uh, just want to say a big shout out and thank you, Brian, for giving us uh, the time today to chat. We're honored to have you on the Worship Drummer podcast. Oh man, it's great to be here and uh, feel honored to be a part of it. And uh, for you just taking the time to to want to do this, this is great. For sure, man. For those of you who uh, may have missed it on Instagram, uh, Brian did a takeover. It was from the time of this recording. What about two weeks ago? Uh, yeah, it probably was about two weeks ago. Right, yeah. right around there. And I know that. Uh, everyone loved asking the questions. You did such a good job with that, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was so, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. It was really cool. Funny thing about finally getting to do this face to face is, I remember texting with you when you were at some like an award show about two years ago. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. sent me some pics that night to post on Instagram. I was like, "Hey, we should do the podcast," and then time passed and maybe last year we touched base again and like just here and there then finally i was like okay enough talk let's do it <laughs> let's make this uh, happen yeah so uh, on my end i'm just sorry it took so long but i'm super stoked 
um, to get to chat today and uh, share what you've been up to with Big Daddy Weave. Uh, But before we get to them, uh, let's talk about your upbringing and just tell us kind of the journey that you've been on from from a kid to, you know, playing drums and how that evolved for you. Yeah, um, I mean, I started playing drums when I was right around 11, 12 years old. And uh, it first started out just getting a snare drum and a brush and a stick uh, to start with. It was like, just learn how to play a groove with that, you know, at least learn how to, how that all kind of works. And uh, then it was shortly after that, I got um, a drum kit my dad bought me and uh, I still have that drum kit today, which is awesome. And, um, but yeah, I just started getting into that and um, playing in like local church and little like, family reunions and just little things here and there. And uh, I just remember playing uh, with my cousin and I would get together and we'd be like, okay, what's one song we want to learn and we want to play. We just go into our like garage and we would like try to try to learn it and, you know, and play it. And um, uh, yeah, I did that. I got into recording um, at an early age as well. So I was in a lot of recording studios growing up and around a lot of professional musicians and, so I was doing engineering. I was kind of playing here and there. Um, and then um, moved to Nashville um, early 2000s, probably around 2002, 2003. And um, just I was on the road with some country artists um, at that point. So they were some, some 90s uh, country uh, stars. Um, so I was out doing that um, for about four years or so with them. And uh, just kind of playing around town, playing around uh, the Broadway scene downtown. Nashville, uh, playing in my church, um, playing with other worship leaders around town, um, traveling still, you know, from from uh, from time to time, just kind of anybody that needed a, somebody to fill in or, you know, with cert- I had like steady gigs with people around town that I would kind of play um, shows with here and there. And uh, so we'd go do that. And uh, uh, in the midst of all that, having day jobs to keep myself in Nashville, because um, I was yeah. like, if I'm going to make this this work. I need to be able to be in town. I need to be around the people where this is actually happening and, and uh, people see me and I can kind of, you know, be around those, those people when gigs come available, be there for that. And um, yeah, I just started playing. Um, I started playing with Big Daddy Weave in 2013 um, when the, the drummer at the time, he was kind of making some changes, getting into some other different things and uh, they were holding auditions and our manager, Jim, uh, he and I were going to the same church. And, uh, so he was, that's how I kind of learned about that. And through the auditions and everything ended up getting, uh, called to be the drummer for that gig. And yeah, so it's been over six years now with Big Daddy Weave and it's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun, really. That's really cool. And I don't know if you mentioned this in the beginning, but did you grow up you said you started playing drums around 11 12 were you in church like your whole life or did your faith kind of develop after your your in your teen years or yeah um yeah i was kind of in church um kind of off and on as as a kid um you know there was there were seasons of like really heavy into church and then there were just seasons wasn't really in church as much um still had a faith you know um, but yeah, I think there were, there was definitely a time, especially when I got into the country scene and started playing, uh, with some of those bands and stuff, I did kind of stray away. Um, I kind of, you know, kind of got a little into the party scene 
kind of hmm. kind of thinking, you know, because I was young and it's like, oh, I think this, this is what everybody's doing. So you just kind of get into that and um, nothing crazy, but, you know, just being in, involved in that. Um, but really, once I kind of met my wife, um, that's when a real uh, change kind of happened. And we really started um, getting involved with our church um, and really kind of my faith just kind of grew even more from that, um, even to, to this point, you know? Yeah. And how, like, do you think there's this pressure that exists for any musician, let's say that's moving to Nashville to, to hit up a certain scene, meaning to trade their identity if they're rooted in faith to kind of fit in and find their footings in Nashville? Is there that kind of a vibe? Um, I think, I think it was just, I, I kind of got involved with some wrong people um, on my end, you know, and not necessarily that people have to, um, you know, give up anything or anything like that. I mean, I know, I know guys that are, you know, in these, these great country artist bands, I mean, big artist bands and stuff, and their, their faith is great, you know, and they're, they're walking, you know, with the Lord and they're doing, you know, ministry at church and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and I just didn't have that gauge of like, oh, wait, no, this is not what I need to be doing, you know, and it took a while for me to kind of get through that and be like, no, this, I don't need this, you know, I need to be here, you know, and sometimes that may, means making changes in, in gigs or, or something like that too, so. Wow. And uh, so since 2013, you've been with Big Daddy Weave. What were some of your, your I don't want to just limit it to drumming influences, but some of your influences that shaped you to become the musician and drummer that you are today? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I listen to so much uh, just different music. Uh, anything from, from jazz, from like, you know, Frank Sinatra to, um, to blues to, you know, contemporary gospel to, uh, to even just uh, gospel quartets and trios. I like, I grew up with all of that music when my mom was in a, uh, a gospel group growing up and, um, you know, just all these different musics like rock and roll music and pop and hip hop and all these different things. Um, but like players, um, obviously Steve Gadd, uh, Steve Jordan's a huge influence. Mm. Um, just love the way he plays. Um, you know, um, and then you got artists, you know, Eric Clapton and people like that, you know, it's just like these James Taylor and, you know, people that just write these incredible songs and are incredible musicians, you know. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And, um, and with your time at Big Daddy Weave, like, is, is this your full time thing and has it been full time since 2013 for you? It has. Yeah. Um, 2013, uh yeah that that first tour starting with them it was uh pretty crazy and it was and it just became this full-time um full-time thing and that's that's really all that i i kind of do i do some some session work here and there on the side at my home studio and and do little little projects for friends and whatnot you know uh when i can and uh and everything but yeah that uh, big daddy weave gig is my full-time gig Nice. And so when you were transitioning to become their drummer, like what was the audition like? Uh, was there an audition or was it just like, we like you, we want you? Did you have to reach no. and anything like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the audition process. Um, yeah. They did not know me. I was kind of the, the oddball uh, out of the bunch, you know, um, nobody knew of me, knew anything of me. Uh, the rest of the guys, uh, they kind of knew um, they were, uh, 
three three or four other guys actually on that audition as well and um yeah they didn't they didn't know anything about me uh they just knew i was kind of coming from a country world uh you know and they just that's all they kind of knew uh but man it was really cool that whole process um the guys really had a great group of people around them to pray about the whole situation uh they gave every guy that was auditioning their name they gave their name to this group of people to pray over um and just really kind of like you know are you hearing anything does the lord give you anything about these people you know and um and um jay our bass player got a word you know of like the the person that you're supposed to to have is going to be clearly highlighted um you know and so they're like okay well what does this what does this mean and so with everybody praying over these names uh they would come back and say well you know with this person we see this and with this person we're feeling this with this person this and then come to me and it's like we don't have anything uh, for this guy so that was clearly a highlight you know <laughs> to, to something there um and then um just through the audition as well you know because there were there were moments where they're kind of like you know in the audition like oh, all right this guy you know it's like felt great you know doing this it's like okay that could be the guy and and then it's like I come in, do the audition, and it was like they said it was just kind of this other thing that kind of happened, which was another like clear highlight that the Lord was bringing something uh, to them, and it ended up being me, which is a huge blessing, you know. And it's like unbelievable that that uh, happened that way, you know. And um, it was just really cool, and like, and they were already kind of like discounting me because it's like I'm not coming from the CCM world or you know any of that yeah. kind of thing. So it's like kind of like this guy's like from the outside, like coming in and, you know, but, you know, I feel like the Lord just really kind of put on my heart to get involved in ministry and be a part of that. Um, as I remember telling my wife, you know, I was like, what I kind of felt like the Lord was calling me to and being, being a part of that in some way. And, uh, so the Lord just really kind of orchestrated all of that and put it all together. That's that story is really cool because coming from your other country gigs were you, at the beginning were you like what do you mean pray and asking like did did that come across as being a little foreign and weird to you it or did you because like- yeah no i mean i thought it was amazing because you know i had been you know even though i was playing some of the some of the country gigs and everything um you know at that point i was really kind of involved in my church at that point um you know and my wife and i doing ministry together um and you know doing those things so i was kind of you know really familiar with all of that and and that's kind of what my wife and i did and what we did with our church and um so when they were saying hey we, you know we have this group of people that's praying over this it's kind of like wow all right this is awesome this is great let's, let's go with it you know wow which i'm actually i'm actually happy to hear that because uh i this is the first time out of like 24 interviews where the process has seemed like in the book of acts it was good to us and the holy spirit mm. uh yeah. so actually kind of refreshing and cool to hear um, yeah. about that whole experience so um in 2016 we were just chatting about this before we started recording or hitting record um in 2016 tell us about what happened with one of the members in the band and uh and how that affected you guys as a unit uh yeah that was uh that was a really tough time um jay our bass player um early that year um we just started noticing that something wasn't right 
and uh, started getting somewhat sick and just little things kind of happening, um, which um, in March of that year, uh, he ended up having to come off the road. Um, he was just in, in some pain and, and uh, just a lot of discomfort uh, being out on the road and everything. So um, I remember there was a show we were doing out in Kentucky and uh, uh, got through the first half of the, of the night and um like the second half was gonna start and he was just like i i can't i can't stand up there like i, I need to go lay down so he like laid down behind the stage trying to play the show and it was just finally like man we, you can't do this like you need to go home like something's not right and, um and come to find out he he has um uh he had battled uh diabetes and um some different medications and different things that he had been on um, ended up causing a really serious infection, um, in his feet. And, um, so by the time he got in, got into the doctor and everything, it was really, really bad. Um, they had to do a, um, a double amputation of both of his feet. And, um, so he's, he's, uh, he was out of, off the road for quite a while. Um, really trying to get better. Um, just deal with all of that, you know, and, and, just the whole the whole fact of like okay when i've you know got feet today and now uh, like all this is going on now i don't have feet and i can't get around you know so it really took a toll on him and his family uh it really kind of took a toll on on all of us as a band as well um because we were all praying and and believing and and all these things and things just didn't happen the way we thought they would and um you know and I mean, sometimes, sometimes these things like this kind of happen, you know, and, but it really did. It just, it, it kind of took us to a place where we weren't really communicating with each other. Uh, Cause I think we were all kind of processing the hurt and the, the pain with all of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of got to a point where it's like, we, we just, as a group, just really kind of stopped communicating together on a lot of things just because we were trying to process all of this. And um, so it, took a while we're I think we're still kind of dealing with some of the remnants of that you know um just because we didn't realize how how deep that was you know and, and uh just what a toll that took um uh, but Jay I mean he's he's doing better he's through the the help of his doctors and, and his family who are out on the road with him now um are helping him trying to uh walk and to get better and, and uh, kind of get back to uh, somewhat normal life, you know, um, obviously it won't be completely like it was before, but, um, but he's got prosthetics and he's walking and, and, uh, you know, getting around that way, um, and still trying to, to get better to where he can, he can go longer periods of time without, uh, being like with his wheelchair and, and all that kind of stuff. But he's, he's able to be out on the road and play the shows and do all that stuff now. Man, that is insane. Um, you mentioned that like you guys internally had to kind of stop communicating as you were processing. Were you still going out on the road and try, like I, don't, I say trying, but ministering to others while you guys were kind of at that point of need as well? Yeah. Yeah, we were, you know? Um, yeah, that was, that was just kind of a hard time to, to go and minister to people, you know, but still, trying to process like what just happened you know <laughs> what yeah. what's really going on and um you know yeah so that was really hard to kind of do that and and um you know i remember mike 
uh, getting up, you know, and like, how am I supposed to go and like, you know, talk to people and, and do all these things when, when this is going on with Jay and, you know, and, and all that's this. That's his and, brother, right? They're, they're brothers. Yeah. Yeah. They're brothers. Mike and Jay are brothers. And, um, and their dad at the time is, you know, like it was telling Mike, you know, like his story is not over yet, you know, and, and uh, like, you can go and tell his story, you know, and sing about that and sing about, you know, the victory that, that, Hey, he is alive, you know, and um, he's alive because of Jesus, you know, and, and we can kind of bring that into it, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, that was a really, really tough time. Wow. And as you were going out to minister, uh, sharing that story, did did you see God do anything like any powerful or special things throughout that season? Yeah, I mean there were there were a lot of things that that happened, you know, and even in the midst of all that stuff going on with Jay, there were there were things we were seeing, you know, and um, I mean just one story that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, a guy came to the show and uh, he had. Um, he had two kidneys that had kind of failed. So they had surgically implanted um, this third kidney uh, wow. to kind of help him along. Cause he was going through all this dialysis and all this just different stuff. And um, so, I mean, even like Jay praying for him and all this kind of stuff and, and come to find out uh, this guy had called like a couple weeks later and said, guys, you're not going to believe uh all of what's going on he said but i actually have three 100 working kidneys right now like god has healed me through this wow. so he became a guy that like he was he had a you know had this extra kidney and now he's on the donor list to give a kidney to somebody you know kind of thing it's just like unbelievable wow. you know kind of thing it's like god just god just healed him right there you know um so we were mm-hmm. seeing things like that you know and just different things um you know and 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 obviously like even in the midst of Jay having his struggle and we're all like, you know, in some way or another having some sort of thing going on in our life as well. And it's like all this just kind of together and like, how do we, how do we do this as a group and how do we, we do this as a band, you know, and, and still go out and minister and, and do all these things, you know, and it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing, but you have to really rely on the Lord and rely on, on his strength to get you through that and not just the strength of your own, of your, of your, you know, yourself. It's like, cause you can't do it. You know, you can't yeah, bear the man. weight of that. Yeah. It's like the finding the, the purpose in pain, right? Almost. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, that like, these are stories that you don't really read about on the newspaper headlines. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, you'll never hear that which is fascinating to hear. So uh, kind of being on the other side of this experience from 2016 with Jay, how has it evolved or shaped you guys as a band today? Like, is there more purpose behind what you're doing or maybe some songs uh, on this? You're actually on tour now on the Alive tour. Like, has it brought like some new inspiration into your message? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, um, we are so right now in the process of recording a new record um, and um, that album will come out in the fall this year. But our single that's out now um, is uh, called Alive. And um, that song was actually written uh, by Zach Williams. And um, it was just an incredible thing. Like, so Zach was on tour with us. Um, mm. when all that stuff was really going on with Jay, um, at that time. And, uh, he was, you know, telling us a story of how our song redeemed really kind of helped 
pull Zach from a place where he was back into ministry. I mean, he was, he was on a tour bus in Spain uh, with his rock and roll band and, um, you know, really not living the, the, the life of, you know, following Christ and all these kind of things. Um, but he was on, a, on this tour bus and the dean was on uh, the radio and he kind of heard it. And at that moment, he like went home, called his wife and was like, uh, you know, I'm quitting my band and, and uh, I'm coming home. We're going to church, get my life right. You know, so that song really did a lot for him, you know, in that moment. And then he he gave us this song alive that he had written. Um, and Mike shares it every night. You know, it's really a, a it's really kind of like is a snapshot of kind of like what we've been through as a band with Jay over the last couple of years. And it's kind of like we're coming through this dark season uh, and we're alive, you know, in Jesus. Uh, and it's just kind of like, and that's going to be kind of the, kind of the tone a little bit for the, the album as well. You know, it's just like these songs are coming out of this season of just tough stuff um, and just kind of like bringing new life into things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a really, um, an, a really interesting time, but Mike, you know, he's, he's been writing a lot and there's been just a lot of stuff come through this, you know, that I think we'll, we'll make it on the, on the album uh, in the wow. fall. So. That's so cool, man. Um, as we talk about tour, um, what what's your setup and gear looking like on this uh, tour that you're on currently? I know we did the Insta Takeover, but for people yeah. that missed all of the visual, if you could walk yeah, us sure. through the gear and then even down to the tech side of stuff, and we'll talk about that maybe right after. Okay, yeah. Um, so for gear, I am, uh, using AJP drums. Um, I've been, I've been playing them for about three years now. Um, this, this kit, and it's awesome. It's, um, it's kind of old school sizes. It's a, it's a 24 inch bass drum, 12 inch depth. Um, and then 13 inch rack, 18 inch uh, floor tom. Um, I'm using a black beauty, uh, snare kind of the, the standard, you know, <laughs> um, but I'm using all Sabian cymbals. Um, I have two 19 inch crashes on my, on my right side. I have a 22 inch legacy ride uh, on my left. And for some people that's, I mean, like that's weird, but I'm, I play open-handed. I am left-handed, but I play a right-handed drum kit. Um, so I do a lot of left-hand lead stuff. So tell uh, us and for a while, how yeah, did that good. happen that you decided to play open-handed? So you play kick with your right foot hmm yeah. So how, yeah at what point growing up did you decide like this is how i'm gonna do it um it it kind of happened that way because just figuring out like if i'm ever going to sit in with a band if i'm ever going to be able to do anything it's like i can't play left-handed um you know because I, I would have to change the whole drum kit around um but then i started seeing like there was a nashville guy uh, played on a ton of records um you know back Oh man, seventies, eighties, nineties. Um, his name is Eddie Bayers and, uh, he's an open-handed guy and, uh, like seeing him play, I was kind of like, ah, that's what I need to do. Like, that's what I need to do. Just move the ride over and then just do it all that way, which I've, I've found that it really is kind of a great way to play. It kind of opens you up a little bit. Um, you know, to be able to do some really cool, um, you know, keeping, keeping like the ride or the hat going, but then doing some cool Tom rolls through there as well without having to do all this crossover stuff. Um, you know, and then obviously you see people like Carter Beaufort and, you know, these guys that are playing open-handed, 
you know, you're kind of like, okay, this is really, this is really awesome. So, uh, but yeah, that's how that kind of, kind of started. Um, and then kept it, kept it that way all this time. So. Nice. So do you lead your fills with your right or with your left? It kind of depends on the feel. So a lot of them, a lot of them kind of start with the left, but then there are times where I'll, I'll do things with the right hand, you know, to get it started. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for, for that a while. Tangent, no, it's fine. Uh, and for a while, this, this tour, um, I, it kind of changed it up because I've usually had a 16 inch floor tom uh, by my hi-hat. And um, so then, you know, doing some of the, the tom lead kind of stuff that way. Uh, but for this tour, I kind of changed it up and I dropped the 16. So I'm just using the two toms now. Um, but uh, yeah, so AJP drums, saving cymbals, uh, using Remo heads, um, using, um, um, I mean, all the little gadgets and everything. I, I do, uh, I am using the ahead, um, the uh, switch kick. Yeah, so I do use that, uh, which is pretty cool, man. Um, I remember when they were first like starting that out yeah. and um, being a part of the whole Kickstarter thing. And uh, cause I was like, man, this is actually really cool. And um, thought, Kevin? yep. Kevin Smith. Yeah. Yes. Man. And um, yeah. So, and uh, yeah, I've been using that for gosh, the last several years. Um, and, I, and not so much on this tour, but I was switching it out quite a bit just because there were, there were a couple songs that really needed this different kind of sound. Uh, with the bass drum so I would switch it out to this this like uh, uh, really puffy you know kind of bass drum beater um, you know and then switch it back out to the felt you know for the for the rest of the set or something but um, that's a really cool thing to use Um, also using the um, Porter and Davies uh, drum throne um, which I saw them at NAMM a couple years ago and that's how I got kind of turned on to that Uh, it's a really cool system Um, I love it it's been great it's been super reliable um, so in and, case people, uh, really listen, in case people yeah. listen, aren't uh, familiar with the Porter, Porter and Davies throne, just kind of fill us in on what it does. Yeah. So usually, um, especially for us, because we use in-ears, um, there's no monitors on stage. Um, you, you know, for the, the drummer or whatever, you usually have a sub behind you to kind of feel the kick drum and the bass guitar or whatever. Um, this is actually built into the seat. So the seat itself is a speaker. Uh, it's all enclosed, all in the seat. And uh, then there's a little power amp that comes with it. And it sits off, you know, to the, the side of the riser. Um, and then they just run a, a line from the monitor console uh, into that power amp. And then it just it feeds the, the, the seat, so the speaker there. So I can actually feel the kick drum, feel the bass guitar, or whatever I want to have in there. Sweet, man. How much yeah. do one of those go for? Do you know? Um, the last that I kind of heard, it was right around like 900, I think, or so, something like that. Um, I think I got it for a little bit off because I got it through the NAM, uh, at that time. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what they're running at the moment. I know they're kind of catching on. So a lot of people are using them now. (laughs) That's sweet. And, um, onto the tech stuff, because you have a pretty cool setup. Um, can you walk us through what you're using and why? Yeah, um, so I'm using kind of a, a redundant uh, computer system. And the uh, reason I'm doing that is because I've had several times where the computer <laughs> has failed or something has happened and the tracks just shut off in the middle of the show. 
which is never fun. So uh, I have it now to where if something does go go wrong, I can switch over to the other computer that are running. They're running simultaneously. So if I need to switch it over, you know, I won't lose anything. Um, and it'll just change over and pick up, you know, where everything, you know, kind of kind of switched or whatever. Um, but I'm using that. I have two um, mode two interfaces that I use. Um, and then um, I'm using the uh, radial switcher, which is switching between the two interfaces and the two computers with that. Um, and to do all the changing, I know a lot of guys use like their SPD or, you know, something like that to change between uh, tracks or something, but I'm using the uh, Looptimus pedal from Loop Community. And um, man, I love that thing. That's been great. That's been kind of a game changer um, just to kind of free up your hands so you're not having to hit you know, a little MIDI keyboard or something like that, you know, you can kind of still keep your cymbal swell going and then use your feet to kind of switch the track or something like that. So that's been great. Um, and I really love it. Really, really fun to, to use. That's cool. You also, I, th- I saw in your most recent uh, picture on Instagram, you have the SPDSX set up as well on your kit. Yep. I've just started kind of using that. Yeah. And, yeah. um, into what capacity how are you implementing that in your setup so um there's a few songs and for one for a new song alive there's just some drum loop stuff uh, that um i don't actually play on the kit just for the sound that it is you know so I'll, i've imported all those sounds into the spd and play it on there uh, and then a couple other other songs uh throughout our set that just have certain little one shots or um different little things that I'm playing um, throughout the night. I don't use it a ton. Uh, I know some guys, man, they, they're using it on like every song and, you know, they're running triggers and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Well, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> it's just very simple, very basic uh, kind of stuff. On nice. that. I, I want to tell you, Aaron Johnson from River Valley Worship, yeah. he, um, he recorded a video. It's actually on our YouTube channel. So the way he uses it, this is mind blowing, but he basically has all his samples in Ableton. So when you switch okay. to your next track in Ableton, all of the samples automatically change to the next kit samples. And, but it's, oh, all being, nice. it's all being triggered from Ableton, the sample. So, Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, the, man. The yeah. Video, that's like a yeah. <laughs> next level. So he, yeah. he 20 minute video, or so that walks through how he sets it all up and uses it, which okay, like that's like uh, if you're let's say level one, that's level four. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's Ableton. oh my gosh, that's getting into some crazy, crazy um, MIDI stuff and just all the technical side of it. It's like nope, I just turned it yeah. on, plugged it in, imported the samples, and and there I go. So <laughs> yeah. no, it's good, man. And uh, where do you get like the samples you're using? Is it stuff that you guys create, or is it stuff you're buying from that sound, or where are you getting your? Um, samples? everything I'm getting is from our records. So um, I get one of the cool things is so our guitar player Jeremy, he's also our producer. So nice. um, I get all the I get all the sessions, and then I can go through and kind of cut and do whatever I need to to a sound and put it into uh, the SPD if I need it. So nice. Yeah, I just it's kind of everything that's on the record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you you control Ableton, but mm-hmm. are you the one building the sessions and yeah, all that yeah yeah I'll I'll build the session and and uh, put all that stuff together. 
uh, a funny story. So um, when I first joined with Big Daddy Weave, um, they were running tracks, but it was just like um, kind of like a stereo kind of thing. And, you know, click like maybe click on one side, track on the other, you know, kind of yeah. deal. And, and uh, I remember it's like, we want to, we want to get into Ableton and we want to do this. And, uh, they're like, do you know anything about it? I was like, I haven't used it. You know, I mean, I've, I've kind of messed around here and there. And I just remember showing up to Jeremy's house and, and he handed me this box that had the Ableton software and a MIDI controller. And he's like, okay, here, go learn it. And uh, so I spent like the next couple of weeks just like figuring it out and how to put samples in and do all this kind of stuff. And it was really just kind of like, okay, I don't know anything. So I'm just like trying to figure it out on my own. And then just through the, the, you know, the advice of other people and talking, it's like, okay, I need to do this or, okay, I'm doing this right. And uh, just kind of did it from that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy. Amazing, man. Yeah. What I'm learning about Ableton is like, there are so many ways to do one thing. Yeah. And, and, and there's no necessarily wrong way per se. Uh, it's like whatever works best for your setup, your environment. Um, so it's, it's sweet and versatile all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, question for you. What is the worst mistake you've ever made? Worst mistake. Um, oh man. Uh, I would say starting the wrong song. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were doing a, uh, we were doing a, um, a service at Brooklyn tab, nice. um, in, in New York. And, um, had the set list and I was going over the set list before the show, just, you know, making my notes and just, you know, for all my tracks, making sure I was had everything set up. And, and then for some reason we get into the show and we get into the service and I started kicking off this song that is a drum there, but the two, the two songs that I was getting, I was getting kind of getting mixed up. Um, I kicked off the other one and they both have drum intros, uh, like lead ins. And I start the song and I'm playing it and I kind of look around and everybody's looking at me and I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh man, I started the wrong song. Luckily they were both very similar tempos. So I was able to kind of shift my groove to kind of get us where we needed to go uh, to wow. get us back into that song. But it was just kind of like this moment of like, oh man, I, I started the wrong one. Wow. So, yeah. That's insane. So... <laughs> While you were playing the groove, you switched your Ableton track. I I had to I had to like just kill the track. Or that that song didn't have a track actually, um, but the other oh, one I did. So I I just killed my click, started the other track to get us into where we needed to go. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty insane. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, why is everybody looking at me right now? And I'm like, oh no, I started the wrong song. <laughs> Man. The joys of tech, right? Oh, man. And, you know, it's like sometimes it's like, you know, the drummer's got so much going on already. And then yeah. you're, you're trying to, like, run tracks and cue people and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's like, man, sometimes you just kind of forget and you're just, you get, you get lost for a second. You know, it happens. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, man. Fun times. Um, still on a technology uh, wing in this conversation, sure. what are some apps that, are kind of your go-to apps right now on your phone? Oh man, uh, I use the Tempo app a lot. Uh, yeah. The Frozen Ape uh, Tempo app. That's like kind of like my go-to. I mean, that's anytime I'm doing like a little acoustic gig or something like that. That's always with me. Um, it's easier than carrying like a 
you know, a rhythm Tama watch or something like that. You know, it's just, it's on my phone. So I got it. Um, that, um, man, I'm not too into a lot of like, um, apps. I mean, there are some camera apps and, um, and like the, the, uh, like, what is it? Uh, word, like word swag. And there's a couple other things. It's like, you can do all these cool, like Instagram posts and stuff like that. Um, and I do some, some, Instagram stuff for, um, for us, for Big Daddy Weave. And then, uh, also I do some stuff for my church as well. So, you know, nice. kind of doing that and creating some of those posts. Um, so those are kind of the, kind of a few of, of what I get into. I have a few games, nothing crazy. It's just like, um, like wordscapes and, you know, stuff like that. Nothing, nothing like fun, <laughs> you know? so, but to me, it's kind of fun. It's just like something that kind of like calms me down. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, it's cool. And, um, what what is your daily routine look like? Like, what are some habits that you've built in that kind of help you stay disciplined in what you do on the road or spiritually? Yeah, um, it's really cool. And we uh, usually every every day on the road, um, we usually pull into the venue um, around eight thirty nine in the morning. Um, depending on the drive the night before, we'll kind of like post up at a a Walmart or something like that you know, until that time to come over to the venue. Um, but we'll come over, over to the venue. Um, I also am a tour rep for world vision. So we do world vision, uh, sponsorships at our, at our shows. Um, so I'll set that up throughout the day, usually 10, 8, 10, 10 o'clock in the morning. I'll go in, set that up. Um, usually there's, it's kind of, my morning's kind of broken up with, um, depending on when I wake up and, and get in and get that set um and then lunch but usually right after lunch i come to the hotel for about four hours or so and that's kind of my time to to really just kind of read um listen to a sermon podcast uh catch up on emails um you know i have some some sticks in my bag and and uh you know i can practice a little bit or just warm up some at the hotel um and then uh we'll get back usually around the hotel or to the venue about four o'clock or so in the afternoon 4:30, and then we all get together as a tour uh crew band everybody at 4:45 every day and we have a time of just prayer and devotion um and we'll get together we'll um share testimonies uh just you know mm-hmm. our life uh different things like that um we'll read scripture together uh sometimes we'll listen to a podcast a sermon or something like that and then we'll just kind of take you know a few minutes you know, kind of ask everybody like, Hey, is there something going on at home? We can pray for, um, anything that need, you know, we need to kind of remember in prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll all walk around the room and we'll pray for the room. We'll pray over all the seats, um, wow. and just kind of, you know, just really welcome Jesus into the place and, and, uh, you know, just ask for him to, to just move and to do what he wants to do in this room. Cause it's a different city, you know, every night and different people, it's different issues, different, um, different things in that town, you know? So we just really ask, yeah. ask the Lord to come in and, and just to move and be very specific, uh, for these people here, you know? Um, and we'll do that. Um, and then I'll train my, my world vision volunteers usually around five thirty or so, um, dinner right after that. And then I'll have about 30 minutes or so to, to warm up, uh, before the show starts at seven. And, uh, once the show starts, uh, for this tour, um, it's just us. We don't have any opening artists or anything with us. Um, so we're kind of doing, we're kind of breaking up our, our set into, into, into two halves. So we'll do about 45, 50 minutes up front. 
we'll have an intermission and we'll do about 45, 50 minutes in the back half um, of that. And then after that, we'll do a photo uh, meet and greet time uh, with people at the end of the night. And then we're done, man. Then we're on the bus and, and heading over to the next city. Wow. So crazy. I love the part that the, or the fact that you guys take time in the venue to walk around and pray over the seats. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's like, it just, it's not surprising. It just, it's special to me. Like that means a lot uh, that you guys would do it. And, um, and I just, I'm, I'm at a loss for words only because, um, it's, it's incredible that it's not just a show you guys like take it seriously from a spiritual perspective. Um, yeah. cause people might think they're coming for good music. Right. Uh, yeah. but, but at the same time, like you said, like every city represents different needs, um, yeah. which is, which is a, a good awareness to have in, in what you do, what are some key scriptures that you kind of hold close to you when it comes to worship and what you do? Um, man, I, I'll tell you my kind of my life verse. Um, and it was weird how it would just show up at the most random times. I mean, it's like going over to somebody's house and it's on a pillow on their couch or walking into some, some place and it's the scripture that's on the wall, you know, uh, it would just like show up in these random places. Uh, but it's Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I have it here, uh, you know, just, I mean, it's like, it's always around me, you know, yeah. and it's, it's just that he knows the plans that he has for me to give me a future and a hope, you know, and, and, and it's just like to hold on to that, you know, in all the things that, that go on in, in our life, you know, um, I know that that verse has been very significant in, in my life just because, um, my, my wife and I, we have been in a struggle to have a family for the last eight years. So like that verse has been something I've mm. kind of held on to for a long time, you know, and it's just like, okay, I know I don't understand all of this that's going on, but that verse, I'm going to hold on to it, you know, because I know that you have something for me in my future, you know, yeah. and there's hope in my future. And I want to hold on to that, you know, as much as I can. So that verse, I mean, that's, that's the one I would say, man, has been the one that, I go to all the time. Amen. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's other ones, but that one there is just kind of the, the main one for sure. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, yeah. as, a, as a word of encouragement, uh, what's one thing you want to leave with the worship drummers that will listen to this and, and whoever else might stumble upon this episode, uh, that you just want to, leave them with to remember yeah um man i would i would say uh to just be to just be be you one be who god has made you to be uh be very genuine very true very pure very honest person um be very authentic in your worship um yeah i mean i think i think having that kind of outlook and having that kind of kind of focus upon the Lord uh, and just being just a true worshiper in that, regardless of, of what you do. Um, um, yeah, I, I would say just, just being very, very transparent in that, being, being very you know, true and, and, and pure in your worship to the Lord. 
Um, and then as far as like playing music and being a part of worship in your church or with a band or artist or something like that, um, is you're, it's not a show one, you know, it is, it is inviting the presence of Holy spirit into a space that the people that are there can have an experience with Jesus, you know, and being aware of that. So it's, it's how you play the drums to help usher that in, you know, Mm -hmm. and to realize too, it's like we as musicians, um, we have a really like important key role in doing that. You know, I feel like music breaks down these walls and these barriers, um, you know, and it just allows like people to really just kind of engage. Um, and sometimes they engage, but they don't really know what they're engaging. Yeah. Um, but we're making that available for them. You know, it's just the presence of Jesus in the, in the space, you know, and we're just, we're, you know, as musicians trying to be very, just, uh, just transparent with that, you know, and just kind of like here, no, this is, this is where your attention needs to go. This is where your, your eyes need to be focused is right here. You know, don't pay attention to what we're doing. We're, we're just trying to be the vessel of the Holy spirit and to, and to deliver what he's saying through us for mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. And uh, if people want to track along with you on social, how can they follow you or find you? Um, really easy. Uh, BDW drums. Um, that's Twitter, Instagram. Um, Facebook is, is just Brian Beal. Um, but I'm, I'm more on Instagram uh, these days. So you can find me there a lot. <laughs> Well, there you have it, my conversation with Brian Beal. And, you know, I have to say, like, for everything that they've been through, um, I, I appreciate their heart all the more now uh, hearing this side of the story and how they are faithful to continue on with the mission and calling that God has given them. Uh, with that, I want to encourage you to, uh, to be faithful to what God has given you to do as a worship drummer in your local context. Be a blessing. Don't be a burden to your team. Show up on time. Do the important things. Be disciplined in your craft and honor God in all that you do. At the end of it all, we want to make sure that God gets the glory and that the name of Jesus is lifted high. Listen, Thanks for listening to episode 27. If this episode was helpful and of encouragement to you, I would simply ask that you would share it with other drummers or musicians that you feel would be encouraged and inspired by it. Um, As you share it, you help uh, just spread the word about the podcast. And also, if you would care to uh, rate and review on iTunes, that also helps gain exposure for the podcast i just want to say thank you again to the worship drummer family for all that you do and uh remember doesn't matter if you're serving this weekend or not always put the heart before beat i'm john manna and this is the worship drummer podcast